0: I think one of the sharpest distinctions between people is between the small percent who look words up in the dictionary and the overwhelming majority that don't. I confess that I was a member of that overwhelming majority for many years. But some time ago, I started to adopt the habit and I can see the benefits today in trying to understand a big subject like character. I find it especially helpful when I discover something about the origins of words in ancient or foreign languages. I learned the origin of the word and then I just sat there for a minute and realized that in this case, the origin of the word just about says it all. So I'm going to tell you where the word character comes from and I hope it has as big an effect on you as it did on me. But first I want to just quickly mention the origins of another word that people often confuse with character, just to clarify the differences. That other word is charisma. And I think that it's often confused with character today. But charisma is really quite different. Charisma is derived from a Greek word meaning an ability to elicit favor in other people. It's a magnetic quality of personality that people respond to as if it were magic. Charisma is almost like a magic wand that confers power over others. But character has a very different origin. Character comes from a Greek word meaning chisel or the mark left by a chisel. I'm going to repeat that because I think it's very important. Character is derived from the Greek word for chisel. And of course, a chisel is a sharp steel tool used for making a sculpture out of a hard or difficult material like granite or marble. And a chisel is also used for stripping away waste material from an object, stripping away stuff that might get in the way in order to get down to the essential thing, the thing that really matters. So in its origins, the word character isn't related to a word like charisma, which we've described as a kind of magic wand. Character isn't a magic wand, character comes from chisel. And I hope you'll remember that. You've got to chisel your character out of the raw material of yourself, just like a sculptor has to create a statue. The raw material is always there. Everything that happens to you, good or bad, is an opportunity for building your character. Let me point out another important distinction between character and charisma. You may have noticed it already in both its definition and its derivation character doesn't refer to other people it doesn't refer to having power over other people or getting other people to follow you or gaining favor with other people character is something that you have and that you are you could be marooned on a desert island and your character would still be important in fact It would likely be very important in that situation. But charisma wouldn't do you any good at all. Charisma requires the presence of others, while character is all about you. Character is the person you are after you've chiseled and chiseled and have gotten past all the unnecessary material to what's underneath. But since we're usually surrounded by other people, let me be a little more specific about how the differences between A charismatic person and a person with character can play out in the real world, particularly in leadership situations. Here are four sets of circumstances that can easily occur. First, a really charismatic person can make people believe there's pie in the sky or that the sky is going to fall tomorrow, one just as easily as the other. By creating these expectations, charismatic individuals can indeed energize and inspire others or terrify and demotivate them until the overblown scenarios are proven false and the charisma runs out. But a person of character doesn't need to be anyone's Pied Piper and isn't comfortable in that role. Instead, he or she looks within for the true source of inspiration and energy. Second, a charismatic person can inspire devoted or even fanatical loyalty. But this can all too easily turn into an unconscious sense of dependency. And that can make matters difficult when the leader is no longer available. Like a charismatic coach, effective during the glory years. But when he leaves the organization, there is a sense of abandonment and the team may never achieve anything like its prior success. Powerful personalities often resist delegating authority, but it's an attitude of character for a leader to refrain from making himself or herself the indispensable heart and soul of an organization. Here's a third difference between character and charisma that's particularly important in a leadership situation. Charismatic people have to keep pulling rabbits out of the hat. The magic of their presence has got to keep expressing itself or people might start wondering where it went. Worse yet, they might start getting bored. During the Second World War, Dwight Eisenhower was picked to command the Allied forces in Europe, not because he was an exciting leader with a sense of high drama, but precisely because he wasn't. There were plenty of charismatic individuals around, such as Churchill, Montgomery, de Gaulle, and Patton. What was needed was somebody with toughness, stamina and ability to manage people. Just before the Normandy invasion in 1944, Eisenhower met with a group of officers who would be going into battle. He stretched out a piece of string on a table and pulled it a few inches with his finger. An army is like this piece of string, he said. If you try to push it from behind, it just tangles and doubles back on itself. Soldiers have to be led from the front not pushed from behind. Eisenhower may not have been colorful, but he could definitely get his point across in a way anyone could understand. He had character in the true sense. One of the biggest pitfalls for a charismatic leader comes straight from his or her ability to inspire love and devotion. And this is the last point I want to make. In order to bask in the warm glow of a leader's approval, People may become reluctant to voice disagreements. There are people who become isolated because subordinates are afraid of them. But the same isolation can occur as a result of misplaced affection. People of character are usually well loved by everyone around them. But they make it clear that their own first love is for the truth, even if it hurts. Character and charisma are topics that have been defined and debated for thousands of years. And I want to close this discussion with a comparison between two historical personalities. Alexander the Great was undoubtedly the most charismatic leader who ever lived. He lived only to the age of 33, but he personally led his armies into one victorious battle after another. First in Greece, then Persia, then Egypt, and finally India. It wasn't always easy, however. Alexander's willingness to put himself in danger, his gift for oratory, and his genius as a military tactician inspired fanatical loyalty from his troops. But even they grew weary after years of constant warfare. More than once, they threatened to mutiny and return to Greece. But until they reached the malaria ridden jungles of India, Alexander was always able to rally them for one more battle. He believed that he was a god and that his wars of conquest demonstrated his divine power to the rest of the world. When he died in the ancient city of Babylon, his body was transported across the desert to Egypt in a golden hearse drawn by scores of horses. Yet no one worships Alexander today. No one is impressed by all the cities he named after himself or by the city he named after his horse or by the palace he built and filled with huge pieces of furniture so that people would think he was a giant. In fact, Alexander's influence began to evaporate soon after his death. The remains of his empire were fought over by his generals and new conquerors soon took his place. 300 years after Alexander, Jesus Christ began to preach. Instead of an army, he had 12 men Others tried to say he was a god, but he never said so himself. He didn't own a horse. He never founded a city. And when he died, there was no golden hearse. Yet the force of his character has endured and grown. While the most charismatic leader who ever lived is of little interest to anyone except historians. Because character is what's left after charisma is gone. I'd like to elaborate a bit on a comparison I made earlier about how creating your character is like an artist creating a sculpture. The essential point is this. I don't think character is something that just happens by itself any more than a chisel can create a work of art without the hand of an artist guiding it. In both instances, a conscious decision has been made. A conscious process of design is at work. Character is the result of hundreds and hundreds of choices you may make that gradually turn who you are at any given moment into who you want to be. If that decision-making process is not present, you'll still be somebody. You'll still be alive, but may have a personality rather than a character. And to me, that's something very different. This has always been a country in which people have felt free to change themselves and the circumstances in which they live. In this regard, I happened to come across some interesting facts about the 19th century settlers who crossed the plains in covered wagons. For the most part, these people were neither recent arrivals on our shores, nor were they facing any special economic difficulties. Instead, they were shopkeepers, farmers and tradesmen who simply decided to make some big changes in their lives in the hope of finding something better despite all the dangers and uncertainties. No one really knows why this great migration began, but I suspect it had something to do with our fundamental belief in individual freedom and the idea that if there's something better at the end of the rainbow, we have a responsibility to take advantage of it. That's the basis for our discussion of character in this program. Character isn't something you were born with and can't change like your fingerprints. It's something you weren't born with and that you must take responsibility for making. You may not be able to cross the Rocky Mountains in a covered wagon, but you can still create a better life for yourself by crossing the mountains of your soul. And that may be even a greater challenge.